Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. Here's this week's message from Pastor Claude. So amazing or so um, special to be able to worship the Lord together, right? There's such a freedom when it comes to worshiping God together. Uh, I don't know if you like to listen to music at home and you like to worship in your car. I think this is phenomenal when we can do that. But there's a uniqueness of when the church comes together to worship and uh, there's a sense of God's presence and it's, uh, it's awesome. So it's so cool to see you. Just to let you know that uh, Saturday evening is always live, so that's a, a sure thing. So if you come, it's never going to be a recording. So, but on Sunday morning, there's going to be, a, sometimes we'll, there will be a recording. And uh, just to make you aware of that. So what we would like to see is to fill the Saturday night. That would be amazing. And uh, invite your friends. There's a lot of room. We still have some room. We have the balcony that can be filled. We have an overflow. So feel free to do that. Very good. So are you uh, ready to hear the word of God? I know I am. I'm excited to be able to share it. And uh, I just pray that God would speak to you beyond my words. That uh, God would uh, sow into your heart his thoughts and what, he need, what you need. He knows exactly what you need. He knows where you are. And as we open our hearts up, I believe that um, he is able, and not just able, but he wants to download into us what we need and what he wants for us to take a hold of. So I would ask you to stand, and we'll place ourselves before the Lord. If you want to stretch your hand in front of you as a symbol of your openness to what God wants to tell you this evening. Father, we come before you, and we thank you so much for your grace, and we thank you so much that you are in this place. What an honor that we have to worship you like we did earlier. And we want to keep our eyes on you. We want to place ourselves or have this inclination towards you or have this heart of worship towards you. So we just pray that you would be glorified, that you would have your way, that you would um, speak according to your will, according to what we need to hear. So we choose to open our hearts up to what you want to say. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may grab a seat. So we've been talking in the last few weeks on what we value as a church and what we want to practice as a church. And like I said earlier on in this this series, is that I believe that God wants to work through the church Uh, Even though we went through a rough go and we're not totally out of it yet, I believe that God is setting us up to to see his will and and what he wants to do through me and you. So uh, what I had on my heart for the fall is to set ourselves up and and to prepare ourselves to what God wants to do. And I believe that if we want to see God do what he wants to do, I believe that we got to come under him or we got to place ourselves flexible, that we would be uh, the clay in his hands, and that we would be able to be fashioned according to his heart desire. So my prayer is that this evening, or whenever you're watching this, that you would place yourself available to God and say, God, in this season, I want you to have your way in my heart. I want you to penetrate my heart like never before. I want to grow through this. I want to be fruitful. And I believe that if that's the, um, uh, the inclination of our hearts, and we want to see God move in, a certain, in this way, I believe this is going to do it. So, so while we're talking about the DNA, is so that we can step in what God has in store. So 
What I'd like to talk about that I, uh, uh, today and what I've started last week and we had Thanksgiving, we talked about uh, worship and praise or being grateful for what the Lord uh, has done for us. What I'd like to focus on uh, this weekend, it's to focus on the call to pray. The call to pray. Can you tell uh, someone beside you that we have this call to pray? And I'd like to unpack this, uh, this truth or this value that we have in our church is that we want to practice prayer. We don't want just to talk about it. We just don't want to read a book on it. We just don't want, we, we, we want to go beyond being aware of prayer. We want to experience prayer and we want to practice prayer. If you have a Bible, Take a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. It says, always be joyful, never stop praying, and be thankful in all circumstances. And I talked last week on being thankful in all circumstances. What I'd like to focus on is verse 17, never stop praying. Never stop praying. Never stop praying. In other words, don't give up on prayer. Don't slack praying. Don't throw the towel. And when it comes to living a life of prayer, there's a lot of different challenges, right? One of the, one of the challenges that we face is that we don't see um, sometimes God answering our prayer requests, and sometimes there's a delay, or sometimes God has something else he wants to do, so sometimes that discourages us. And we live in a busy world. Uh, there's a lot of things happening. We have to raise our kids. We got work and all this. And sometimes we lose that component of our lives, in our lives, and we live life without any prayer. But there's, our con- there's consequences when it comes to living a life without prayer. And I'd like to unpack that today. When you look at the Bible, you see uh, the presence of, of prayer all over scriptures, right? If you take a look at the Old Testament, we see the prophets. We see them living uh, by prayer. We think about Elijah, right? We see him pray. Uh, we, we think about Daniel when he's in Babylon. One of the major topics in the life of Daniel is that he was a man of prayer, so you go through the prophets, you go through the Psalms, one, one ingredient that you see from Genesis to Malachi is the call to pray. In the book of Nehemiah, and, and, uh, and when, it come, when it came to the reconstruction of Jerusalem, you see the call to pray. And so prayer has been present in the life of God's people, amen? And I think it's still called to be alive in the church. You look at the life of Jesus, we find Jesus pray. We see him when he uh, calls or when he picks his 12 disciples. He, 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 he took the whole night to pray and, and, to, uh, and, and to, to be with his father. And when he came down from the mountain from where he was, what he did, he chose his 12 disciples. We see him get up early in the morning seeking the face of his father. And he did what he saw his father do. So when Jesus walked on earth, he was in relationship with father. And he was uh, in prayer. When he was led in the wilderness, it was to pray, prepare himself uh, for his ministry. So when we look at the life of Jesus, we can see that prayer was part of his life. And I believe that that was to teach us uh, our need also to depend on Father and also to see the Holy Spirit come alive in us. And that happens when we spend time with God, when we connect with God. So in the life of Jesus, we see uh, the place of prayer. And when we look at uh, the letters of Paul, we see so many different mentions um, of prayer. So many places where you see prayer. Uh, and you look in the book of Acts in the early church, prayer was essential. It was there from the get go of the church. 
And I think it's important for us to look at, at the book of Acts. And we like to go to the book of Acts because this is where we see the church in its beginning. We, we go to the book of Acts and we find principles to live by because we see the fruitfulness of the disciples. We see the church that explodes. We see the mission. We see so much happening in the book of Acts, right? So we want to be a church uh, like in the book of Acts. And if you look at the church in the book of Acts, we see that it was a praying church. If you look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They went daily to pray. Actually, we can see Peter and John going to the, to the temple, and they arrive at this, this door called Beautiful, and there was this beggar, and they said, Silver and gold have I not, but in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk, right? And we see them perform this phenomenal miracle that brought a crowd that was, uh, that was open to receive the good news, and, and there was many multitude, a multitude that was saved. But what you find here is that from the get-go, the church prayed. In Acts chapter 2, like it says, they devoted themselves to prayer. You look in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. It talks about when Peter and John were arrested and, they were, um, and the, uh, the religious leaders had, had a struggle with the church. And it says in verse 23 of chapter 4, it says, When Peter and John were released, uh, they went to the other apostles and told them everything the chief priests and leaders had said. When the apostles heard this, they were united and, uh, and loudly prayed the Lord, Master, you made the, the sky, the land, the sea, and everything in them. And they continued to pray. What happened is that they prayed, God, give us assurance and boldness to preach the word. And the place where they were shook. And God kind of uh, placed his approval on them to say, come on, guys, you can go on, and I will be with you. But you see in chapter 4, the church comes together. There's a position. There's challenges. And what do they do? They come together and they pray, and they say, God, we want to see the progression of your, of your kingdom, but we need your help, and this is where God gave them assurance, and I could, we could spend the whole month talking about all the verse that you find uh, in regard of prayer in, in the letters of Paul and also in the book of Acts, but I just want to read one more. It says in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, when Paul and Silas were, uh, were arrested, and it says around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaking to its foundations. It says, all the doors Im immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. What a story, right? What happened is that uh, Paul was preaching, uh, was, was going and walking, and there's this lady that had a spirit of divination that was following, uh, following him. And at one time, he took authority, and she was uh, freed from her demons. And the owner of that lady that was making money because of the spirit of divination was angry. So Je not Jesus, but Paul was hidden with rods, and, and he was treated badly. And they didn't know that he was a, 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 a Roman citizen, and they, they, they were afraid of what was going to happen. But the story is, is that they get treated this way. They got, they, they got beaten, and then they're in prison. In midnight, they're there praising God. Worshipping with their chains. I can't picture that, right? They're probably making music with their chains. And they're praying. They're turning to God. They're seeking the Lord's face. And God, in this awesome miracle, shook the prison. The doors opened. 
and, and people heard the gospel. The jailer gave his life to the Lord, later on was baptized, him and his family. What a phenomenal story, right? We love this story. It's so powerful. It's so, there's a lot of image. There's a lot of life in the story. And, but, but it was because of God, but also because of the response of Paul and Silas that decided to sing, focus on God, giving glory to God, and also seeking the face of God by prayer. So when you look at this, when we look at the place of prayer, it's all over scriptures. So I don't think I have to explain it and I could, like, I could give a ton of verses that's, that shows that prayer in scripture, is in Scripture. And I can give you this homework. Go through the Word and, and find out how many places you find prayer. You'll find that it's everywhere. So prayer is part of, of the life of God's people. And we want to embrace prayer. We just don't want just to talk about it or know about it. We want to experience, this, experience it. And how do we pray? I like to talk about this. How do we pray? First, first point is that we pray on the go. We pray on the go. And that's the beauty of being the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Like John was saying that in chapter 4, uh, in, in chapter 4 when Jesus says uh, there's going to be a day where the true worshiper will worship in spirit and truth. It's not going to be in the temple. It's not going to be in the mountain. But we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? So the thing is when it comes to prayer, when it comes to live a life of prayer, it's to pray on the go. Is you get up in the morning, you're conscious of God, you're doing life, and you're always having this dialogue with God. I bless those that have a, a long, long beard because they can hide their lips when they pray, right? They can just go like this and nobody really sees. And, 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 and I like the thought that in your heart, you're always praying, always conscious of God, and always verbalizing praises to God and also verbalizing needs that you see. Because I believe that when we do life conscious of God, God speaks to us. Have you ever been driving? Like it happened to me last week. It was pretty cool. I was driving and I was just praying and the, this face of this young man came to me in my, in, in my imagination. And I started to pray for him. And I haven't seen that young man for a long time. So I arrived home, parked my, my, my Ford Escape. And I saw him parked in the same, in my bay, right in front of my house with his truck. And he came out. I said, no way. I was thinking about you just an hour ago. And I was praying about you. And I had a great conversation of, with him. The odds for me to meet him at that time uh, and to be able to connect with them, it was kind of cool. But I believe this is what the Holy Spirit does. So you pray on the go. You go at work. Let's say you have to make a decision and, and you feel the tension. You say, well, I've got to go to the washroom. And probably you have to. You don't want to lie. But you, you go to the washroom and you take five minutes. God, help me in this and, and lead me in this. Or you, take, you do whatever it takes just to have this connection with God. You can do that as you walk. But, but at the same time, as you're doing life, you're conscious that God is there. So you pray on the go. I like what it says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. And pray in the Spirit in all occasions. So when it comes to pray in the Spirit in all occasions, that could talk about speaking in tongues. You speak in tongues all occasion. You whisper that. Nobody really hears you. And you pray in your, in your Spirit. So that could mean that. But it says, but pray in the Spirit in all occasion with all kind of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. You pray for all the saints. You, you, are, you are a vessel of God. So it doesn't have to be a long prayer. It can be a short prayer. But you're always in tune. You see? You're always in tune. Can you say that to your neighbor? 
always in tune. Your antennas are always up. You're conscious that God will, can relay a message to you when even when you don't expect it. Like Paul said to Timothy, uh, be prepared to preach in season or out of season. So we like to be in season, right? I remember when I was in cemetery, in cemetery, sorry, in <laughs> seminary. And, <laughs> that's funny. That's good. Uh, made my, like, made myself laugh anyway. Uh, so I was, I, I went to the, uh, the church of my the principal of the school. And so it was in China. I, it was in Montreal. And there's place, there's a place in Montreal that's called China. Because when the explorers came in, they thought they were at China, in China. And, and they were not in China, but they've called that place China. So if you go to Montreal, there's this region, and there's, it's pretty big, actually. It's called La Chine, meaning China. So what we did is we left church, we left the school, and we went to China. Okay? And as we're going to China, the, 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 the school principal would say, Oh, who's going to preach today? And everybody was quiet, right? So said, no, 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 someone's going to preach today. Well, well, that's pretty last minute. We got 15 minutes to go, right? And so, so we was volunteer. Okay, I'm going to preach. And what he was teaching us was to preach in season or out of season. And what happened most of the time, we preach a very short message. And he came in and he did a like he was able to step in. He had a plan at that time. We didn't see that, right? We were intimidated by the pulpit, and we thought, ah, you know. It, it, it did put us to a place where we're called to be ready in all season. Well, when it comes to the pr prayer, it's the same thing. Is that you're always open to the leading of the Spirit. So you want to pray as you go, right? Pray as you go. Remember this. God wants you to pray as you go. Every moment of your, of your day, you're, you have your antennas up and you're open to see what God wants to do in your life. And you want to be this person that stands in the gap. Did you know that God is looking for people to stand in the gap. It's huge. And so we don't want to be Christians that just go from A to B and are not open to be led by him. Uh, we want to be a people that are open to him and say, hey, God, here I am, use me. So, so how do we pray? Is We pray on the go. Secondly, we pray in our closet. So it's good to pray on the go, but it's good to pray in our closet, right, where we take a time to sit with Jesus, that we take the time to connect with Jesus. And this is what I was talking in the last few weeks on soaking in him. You stay there long enough for him to over, over, uh, overflow or to overpower you or where you know he's there. Like, you, you know what I mean, eh? You can have your devotion, and that's fantastic, but there's also this place when you know you met with him. You just know you've met with him. It seems like time stops and it's a taste of eternity. And you would like to be able to stay there for a long time. But if you're like me, my mind goes ting, 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 ting. And I'm not able to stay there in a long time. And I need to fight to go to this place of peace or in the Holy of Holies. And when you get there, you say, ah, this is why I, this is, I was made for this, right? And so we have obstacles today. We have uh, um, uh, we have distraction, and, and, there's, and there's stuff that comes in the way, and, and there's friction on the way, right? There's air, there's, there's friction. It's not always easy, but I think it's, listen to this, I think it's very important for us to set some time aside where we connect with Father. And that's what Jesus talked about in Matthew 6, 6, right? But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen, 
Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. It's like I like to, I like to have this thought because I, I believe it's true because I know it happens. Is that you take some time with God and, and it comes to a point where God is waiting for you in that closet. Like you come in. You know sometimes it takes a while for you to enter in God's presence. And sometimes you come into the prayer closet and boom, he's just there. And you know he's just there and he's waiting for you because he wants to have a relationship with you. So when it comes to prayer, how, how, how do we pray? It's for you to connect and to enter in his presence in your closet, you and him. I think that's very important. How do we pray? Thirdly is we pray together in unity. And that's what we do on a Tuesday once a month. We pray in unity. There's power in agreement. Can you say that to your neighbor? There's power in agreement. The devil is all about division, separation, putting wedge between a husband and a wife, between parents and children, between brothers and sisters, between church brothers and sisters. That's the goal of the enemy. So when we come together in agreement, there's power. And that's what it says in Matthew 18, two or three gather in my name, I am in your midst. So if God is in our midst, then everything is possible, right? So the enemy doesn't want to see that. So I've got to be conscious that there's a, a spiritual war going on to prevent me of walking in unity. If you look at Acts chapter 1, verse 14, from the get-go in the book of Acts, it says, all with one accord, they were devoting themselves to prayer together with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. All with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. Devoting themselves to prayer. It was not a casual prayer. It was just not to just two minutes. It was not just on the go prayer, but they devoted themselves to prayer. Devoted means that you are engaged. You're, it's, you prioritize, you focus on, that's what it means. So here you see in the early church from the get-go is that they prayed together and they wanted to see God move, they wanted to see God intervene. So in one accord, they were devoted in prayer. I think that's a lot to chew on. And that's what I, I, I really want you to see this, that it's important when we come together. The reason why we have a monthly prayer meeting, it's not to fill the agenda or have to have another thing to do or, or try to get you back to church or, or just to have something that we do. No, God intervenes, God moves. Look at the upper room when they were the 120 in the upper room waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. They were united praying, waiting for the promise to come. It was not just for one shot. I believe it was, it was, a, it, it was something that we're called to learn in, in in relation to, a power, to, to the power of agreement. So how do we pray? We pray also with expectation and faith, right? We pray with expectation and faith. Because when we pray, we believe that God hears. And we believe that God intervenes. It's not a fatalist approach where we approach God and say, whatever will be, will be our prayer, prayer, or not, what does it really matter? No, prayer is activated by faith. So we pray because we know that God hears and we know that God is there and, and God wants us to pray because God wants us to depend on him and I'll talk about that in a moment. But if you look at James chapter 5 verse 16, it talks about, James is talking about Elijah. But look what he says in verse 16. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous woman is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person it's powerful and effective. Powerful and effective. That's our prayer. Take a hold of this. Remember this. Just take this truth. 
It's effective, it's powerful. Let's say I would have this huge drill, and, and the guy would say, wow, you got a big drill, and you make the noise, it's a lot of power. It's not just a lot of, it doesn't just have power, but when you put it on, on, on steel or in wood, it's, it just makes a hole. It's so powerful. It's so powerful, but it's so effective. I want you to remember this right now. I want you to soak in this truth. The prayer of the righteous person is effective and powerful. Okay? So in regard of what? In regard of the situation that we face. According, in regard of God's kingdom. In regard to what God wants to do. It's effective and powerful. So sometimes we read through this text and we just move on. But we have to stop. We have to cap there a bit and to realize that the prayer of a righteous man is effective and powerful. So that's me and you. And James goes a little further and he gives this example of Elijah. And he says, Elijah was a man like us. Wow. He prayed earnestly, key word, earnestly, that, he would, that it would not rain. It did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again, he prayed, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So he's giving this example, and he wants the church, he wants me and you to get that. The prayer of the righteous is effective and powerful. So do you believe that? That's a question I'm throwing at you. Do you believe that? So if I believe that, what will I do? What will I do? It should trigger something in my heart. Something should happen in my heart if I believe that the prayer of a righteous man is effective and powerful. And then the ultimate example is the story of Elijah that stops the rain for three and a half years and prays for the rain to come. And you look at the signs and wonders in the life of Elijah, they're off the chart. But the key thing was rely on God and prayer. You know, we lost this art we see prayer as just an add-on to our faith. We don't realize or we have a problem to believe that the, that the prayer of the righteous man is effective and powerful. And so it's effective. It will make a difference. It's powerful. It will do something as we respond to his call and as we stand in the gap. You still with me? Look what it says in Acts chapter 12, verse 5. It says, it talks about the story of James just before that, James gets arrested and he gets killed. And now they arrested Peter. So the church is freaking out. It says in Acts chapter 12, verse 5, because they expect Peter to die too. In the way that James died, well, Peter is in prison. So that means he's going to die tomorrow. So what the church did, they came together and prayed. In verse 5, it says, so Peter was kept in prison. But earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Earnest prayer was made to God by the church. And what really got my attention when I was looking at this verse, it's the emphasis to God. Who, who do you pray to? Right? I'm thinking about the, older, the, the early church. Who would they pray to? Well, to God. But it mentions this, it focused on that, that they turned to God for Peter's situation. And they prayed and they interceded because there was no other way. There was this um, urgency, sense of calling, we saw James die. We don't want to see Peter die. So let's do something about it. Let's turn to God. And they prayed their hearts out. 
They probably wept. They probably, I, I, I don't know, but I can see the intensity. in this, in, 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 I, I can imagine the intensity because they just lost a brother, and now they have the leader of the church that possibly also will die. So they came together, and they prayed to God. That's funny that they mentioned to God, right? It's, they didn't turn to nothing else and no one else but to God. I, I really believe that's so important for us to take a hold of. God was their solution. So how do we pray? With expectation and faith. Also, how do we pray? We pray with humility. We pray for, with humility. Uh, the next verse, the next verse I'm going to read to you, I think they can really rock your world. It says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God or under the mighty hand of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Uh, the picture here. It's to humbly come before under the mighty hand of God. And, and when it says in the NLT, so humble yourself under the mighty power of God, like it's pretty easy to humble yourself under the mighty power of God, right? Because wow, mighty power of God says it all. But there's a need for me to admit my need of God. So if I don't come under, then I don't see the mighty hand of God. But you see here, there's a process because what, what he says here, what James, uh, what Peter, sorry, is saying is, he says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up with honor at the right time. So what you do in prayer is you humble yourself before God, and what you also believe that in his time, he's going to do something amazing. And that's what he says here. Look what he says. He says, at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. And what do you do meanwhile as you're waiting to see God lift you up in honor, as you trust in God that has all power, is you give your worries and your care to God as he cares for you. Pretty cool, right? So I bring my cares to God because I know that in his time, God will reveal himself because I came under his mighty hand. Wow, right? So this is why I go in prayer, because I believe in the mighty power of God, that in his, the right time, he will reveal himself. And meanwhile, what I do is I trust in him. Same idea that you find in John chapter 15, verse 7. Where it says, if you remain in me and my word remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be, will be granted. Some people will look only at part B and say, you may ask for anything you want, it will be, it will be granted. But here there's a sequence. And it's abided him, and his word abides in you, and then you will do what he's calling you to do. Because there's a change, right? You abide in him. You connect with God, you live close to God, you seek his face, and then you let his word abide in you, and then you can ask whatever you want because what you're going to be asked will be influenced by abiding in him and his word abiding in you, right? So it's, it's just a sequence, it's just a normal step. So you abide in God and the word of God abides in you, and then ask whatever you want, it will be granted. So when it comes to prayer, I need to abide in God. I need to... I need to see the word abide in me. Where, and even the word here is the word rhema, is where it talks about God speaking to you. Letting God speak to you. Letting God address things to you. Letting God change you in the inside. Reveal the good, the bad, the things that he wants to change, the things that he wants to add, where you are open to his word. So, you can, so here it talks about, you want to see God answer your prayer? Yeah, abide in him. And let his word abide in you. Still with me? 
How do we pray? We pray with our heart. And I like this point because God is not impressed with our vocabulary, right? Doesn't, it doesn't matter how eloquent you are when you pray. It's about your heart. It's about the inside. You can be a teenager. You can be five years old. You can be 15. You can be 90. You know, pray with your heart. Uh, I remember many years ago, I was, uh, I was working in, into a, a camp uh, during the summer. It was uh, a, a camp where um, most of the client were um, mentally challenged, and I was working, and I said, well, they don't really know me. They don't, they don't, they're not getting what I'm doing, and, and I, I was just, like, you know, I was, I was saying I was looking for, I guess, a, a, a pat on the back, and as, as I was leaving after a, a, the time I was there, this guy started to pray, and I remember this because I was 20 years old. I remember how it rocked me. This guy was talking. I could not understand a thing of it. I could not understand a word of his prayer when he was praying for me. In the middle of all, whatever he was saying, I heard Claude. He said my name. I don't know what he said before. I don't know what he said after. But when he said my name, it really reached me. And I know that God was hearing him, and his heart was sincere, and his heart was true, even though I did not understand what he did. So that's the beauty of prayer is when you pour your heart, when you do like this tax collector in God's temple and you beat your chest and you're sincere and passionate and you hunger for God to move. God is not interested in your eloquence. He wants to see your heart cry out. And, and there's such a need for us to pour our hearts out, such a need for us to be raw and to rend our hearts and not just rend our garment like it says in the book of Agai, but to, 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 to just... Go for God. In Psalm 119, verse 145, it says, I pray with all my heart, answer me, Lord. I will obey your decrees. I cry out to you, rescue me, that I may obey your laws. I rise early before the sun is up. I cry out for help and put my hope in, 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 in your words. And I see this. Right? I cry to you, God. I cry to you. So, so, Prayer is about your heart. It's not, it's not about having all your order. You got to do this systematic. It might help, but the heart of prayer is your heart. If you go towards God with your heart, you're going to touch God. God is touch when you approach him with your heart, when you're sincere, when you're not fake, when you're not, you're not going through the motion, when you pursue and have a strong desire for God. Why do we pray? Why do we pray? It's because I need God. That's why I pray. I need God. The reason why we pray is because we need God. We, we have to remember this. You might be a prayer warrior. You might be devotion every day, but you don't want to lose the heart of prayer. It's focused on you really need God. I need God. For sure it's relational, you and Father, absolutely. But I need to see my need of God. You look at the Lord's Prayer. It's about our need of God. Give us this day our daily bread. Deliver us from evil. It's our dependence on God. So wherever you are in this, this journey of life, when it comes to prayer, it's, it's really an expression of our need of God. And listen, when we lose our need of God, we are in trouble. The moment we don't see our need of God, we are in trouble. And I believe that God permits stuff to happen in our lives so that we make him our solution where we cry unto him, where we turn to him with all of our hearts. It's so important for us to take a hold of this. Like I said earlier when I started, I believe that God is up to something. Listen, 
God wants to move powerfully. God has a plan. And, but God is bringing us to a place of desperation where we see our need of him, where we're called for him, where we see our need of him for our lives. We say, God, I need you in my life. God, I need you to work through me, God. I need you to work in my environment, on the people around me, God. Come and intervene where there's a cry of the heart and a passion for God to move. And that's the heart of prayer where we long for him, where we seek his face, where we ask him to come in, in a powerful way. So why I pray is to see God move. Like I said, to see God move in me. So important. You have your devotion, you take time with God, and what you want to see is to see God move in you. Right? God, change me. God, come. Come in my life. Fill me up of your spirit. And you say, God, I want you to use me. May I be a channel for you. And, and, and you ask God that he would use you so that people would be reached. You want to see God use you for your family. You want to see God use you for your neighbor. You, that's in your heart, you pray because you need to see God uh, come through you because you can. You understand you cannot make a difference on your own. And then you pray for your environment. You pray for people around God. Touch them. Touch my brother. Touch my sister. And this is, it goes back when you pray on the go or when you have your devotion, your, con your concern, or you're conscious of people that are around you. But it's so important for us when we look at this value of prayer that we would see our need of God. And in the Western world, it's easy for us to live not needing God, right? And you heard this before. Like, uh, you go in your home. Like, when is the last time you wore on your knees before your fridge because your fridge was empty? God, fill my fridge. I need a miracle. Most of us, that's not the case. But in reality, there's plenty of people that's what they face. If it's not here, it's in other countries. And what happens, we get settled in our ways and we don't become desperate for God anymore. In the season that we're in, I don't know what it hap what, what's creating in you, but it creates, I believe it's creating a desper desperation and a passion for God. And that's what I wanted to sow with you, to, your, to you guys today. I believe that the Holy Spirit is up to something in the church, and I believe it's linked to this desperation where we become desperate for God. God responds to prayer. You see? There's a need for us to be desperate. Listen to this. I'm, I'm going to wrap it up with this. There's a need for us to be desperate in prayer because God responds to prayer. So God is setting us up so that we might des be desperate in prayer so that he might respond to prayer. And the famous text of prayer for me is 2 Chronicle chapter 7, verse 14, where Solomon is praying for God to bless the temple where he wants to see God's presence in the temple. And he goes before God, and God shows up, revealed himself to him. In verse 14, God says to, to, to Solomon, that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and see their need of God, pray, and seek my face. Seek my face. And turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sins and restore their land. My eyes will be open, my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. That's what God is saying to his people. I believe he's saying the same thing to me and you. I want to move. I want to reveal myself, God says. I want to respond to you, but you got to engage in prayer. You got to seek my face. 
So you humble yourself. You see your need. You admit that you can't do it on your own. You pray. You bring petition. You, but you seek his face. And you say, God, I'm putting all the idols, everyone, all the things in my life aside, and I'm seeking your face. Get, get, have this mental picture. You're looking for the face of God. You're looking for his eyes. You're not satisfied until you have his eyes connected with yours. I'm searching to see his eyes. I want to see him. I want to see him. I want to see him. That should be my call. I want to see God. I want to see God in the land of the living. I want to see God intervene. I want to see God reveal himself to me. I want to see God reveal himself through me. I want to see God reveal himself in my environment where we get up in the morning and that's where we live to see God show up. And we pray for that. We seek that. We long. We thirst. We hunger for God to show up. That's the heart of prayer. We're desperate for God to show up. We're desperate. That's the heart. And we don't want to lose that heart. I don't want to go through the emotion. I want to have a desperate desire and hunger and thirst for God to show up. Amen? I would ask you to stand. As Father... We thank you so much that you are available, that you want us to seek you, that you want us to desire you. Lord, we want to long for you. We want to thirst for you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would show me my need of you, that I would be desperate to see you work, desperate to see you intervene in my life that I would see a change in character, a change in my heart, a change in behavior, that something would happen inside of me that I would not be controlled by fear, controlled by sin, controlled by anything but by your spirit. And I want to grow into this man. I want to grow into this person, Lord. So I need you to move in me. I need you to move in my, in my heart, in my soul, in my will, my emotion, my mind. And Lord, I want you to work through me. I want to make a difference. I want to live a life of purpose and significance. God, use me. Glorify yourself through me. Bring life and light in the darkness through me. God, I need to see you in me. I can't do it on my own. And Lord, I want you to work in my environment, on my children. I want you to work in my family, my sisters, my brother-in-laws, my in-laws, Lord, I want you to work in the church, in my neighborhood, in, in, in my, my region. Father, I want you to move. I want you to move, God. May you create in my heart a hunger for the move of God, that we would pray and seek and stand in the gap and not quit seeking your face, knowing that you are the one that rewards us when we seek you, knowing that you will intervene. So, Father, I just pray that we would have a heart inclined to seeking your face. Yes, Lord, do that in my life. Wherever you are on this journey, maybe you're here this, morning, uh, this evening and you are, or you're watching this in the morning, and you're disconnected with God. You have, you have heart in your heart. Open your heart up. It's all about you being raw and real before him. Wherever you are, whatever you've done, just come before him and say, God, I surrender. I want to see you in my life. I want to see you in my marriage. 
I want to see you in my relationships. God, come and intervene. I'm making you my solution. And that's from your heart to his. And just pray that we would respond in a way where our hearts are longing for him. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.